Heavenly Father, when we face uncertainty in each of our personal lives, when we face times in each of our lives that stretch beyond our control, Father, we have two choices. We can choose to deal with ourselves, let that uncertainty turn to fear and worry and anxiety, or we can turn to you. And choose to lift up our concerns to you and then choose to live knowing that you're in total control of everything all the time, forever. We can live in faith in you and your unceasing mercy and grace. So it's even more critical when we face uncertain times as a community of faith or beyond that, like today, when we face uncertain times as a community of everyone in our world. When it seems that every second brings another closure, another cancellation, we can let that worry and fear metastasize into a communal avalanche of self-fulfilling prophecy. Or we can turn to you to help us to stop, to take a deep breath and pray. Father, help us to pray to remember that nothing is beyond you, that you have each of us in your hands. You knew each of us before we were born. You can count the number of hairs on each of our heads. Father, remind us that we're yours. Help us that with each breath we take in to look to you and with each breath we breathe out to increase our faith in you, your power, your grace, and your mercy. Father, we pray for healing for everyone directly impacted by illness and for those that are being hurt by the economic impact. Guide our healthcare professionals to quickly solve for solutions and help our leaders to focus on being leaders instead of pointing fingers. Father, restore us. Help us to put you first. You're in total control. And because of that, we surrender to you total control. We ask these things in your son's glorious and amazing name. And we pray the way he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. So we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is again. Amen. Now is the time that we customarily do the offering, and I would like to encourage everyone online to remember that uh, giving is available online. Who knows what's going to come in the future, Bee Creek, but we know one thing for sure, how generous you are. Amen. So this is, um, this is one of those modern hymns. Uh, we've sung it before, uh, but it's a perfect song for these times. This is Jesus Draw Me Ever Nearer. Jesus, draw me 
Our scripture reading this morning, there's two verses. The first one, these are both NLT, Psalm 23, 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. 
in John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My phone vibrated insistently, and I looked down. It was my youngest sister. I was in a poetry class. It was undergrad, and I did what any normal brother would do. I screened the call. The vibrating continued, and I looked down. It was my other sister, so I screened the call. Continued a couple of more times. And the last time I grabbed it, I excused myself from class, and then I answered, what's up? You see, I wanted to uh, display an air of busyness, and I needed this conversation to be quick. But on the other end, all I heard was sobbing, and then I heard the words, Grandpa died. The pain was immediate, and it was paralyzing. I remember my body making movements. I remember my mouth saying words, but I couldn't tell you what I did or what I said. I just had one thought. Get to your truck. Get behind your tinted windows. The crying can happen behind those tinted windows. Now, to this day, I couldn't tell you how I made it all the way across the parking lot without breaking down. I just walked. I thought about Grandpa. I remember scrolling through my phone, trying to find a voicemail, trying to hear his voice, something that would let me know that what I just heard wasn't true. I was grasping at anything. When I finally made it to my truck, I remember laying down across the seat and I cried uncontrollably. I had just turned 20 and for the first time in my life, I journeyed in the dark. C.S. Lewis once said, we are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. You see, what do you do with the proclamation that God leads you in right paths for his name's sake? And in the very next line, the psalmist specifies, well, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not if, it's not maybe, but the psalmist is saying we will experience the valley of the shadow of death. All of us. Now, it would be easy to conclude that the valley of the shadow of death is just that, a brush and a recognition of our mortality. 
And as it happens, my first journey in the dark was a brush with death. But something more profound had shifted within me. I realized that life, even one with God, is not immune to disappointment, pain, and despair. No amount of planning or right action made this less real. So then, it surprised me to learn that the actual word for the shadow of death from the earliest Bible manuscripts is closer in meaning to an impenetrable gloom, an impenetrable darkness, a darkness so thick that nothing can penetrate. And for me, this is interesting because I think it broadens our conception of what the shadow of death is. It denotes maybe a state or a condition, a status of standing, as difficult as a thought as it is to have that we will all face death. It might be even more challenging to realize that we will all walk in valleys of impenetrable darkness while we are breathing, while we are alive. So what are we to do when we experience those valleys of impenetrable gloom? First, as the psalm says, even though I walk through the valley. The psalm doesn't say, even though I sit, even though I linger, even though I meditate through the valley. The psalm is clear, even though I walk through. Have you ever taken a walk on a beautiful day? Maybe one like earlier this week. Particularly here in Texas, we have these gorgeous days where the temperature is just cold enough for a light long sleeve shirt. And, and you go on these walks, maybe you were on the church campus and you walk along the sidewalk and, and you feel the, you hear the rustle of the trees, you hear the birds, you hear the children, their screams, their laughs on the playground. Then all of a sudden something gets your attention and you stand fixated on it and you stop walking. And all of a sudden you start to feel, feel a little cold. Only to look up and realize you've been in the shadow of a giant tree. So you immediately look where the sun is shining and you try to walk that way as quickly as you can. Spiritually, the effect is similar. Sometimes we wander into shadow Sometimes it's intentionally, sometimes it's accidentally. But regardless, we usually make two crucial mistakes. The first, we dwell or we sit in the shadow for too long. We become fixated on the thing that has caused us to stop walking through. When we dwell too long, we can become cold and disconnected from, from the warmth that is available to us, that is all around us. And typically, you know you've stayed too long when you have to find various means to cope with that dwelling. 
you begin to rely on your vices in a different way. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's, it's friends that never allow you to move past a moment of pain or deep disappointment. Harder, maybe it's family members whose twisted love has held you captive to expectations that are not of God's. But whatever it is, the effect is the same. It's paralyzing. There is life in movement, but there is a death-like experience in paralysis. Second, we walk more briskly. We begin to hurry. And there are two things to consider in this action. On the one hand, we begin to rush from shadow to shadow, never fully experiencing what we might have needed to experience in those shadows. And whether we know it or not, and whether we can ascribe value to it or not, in the moment, there is essential formation sometimes spiritual formation that happens in those places. But on the other hand, we look ahead and we may see a moment of hardship or pain and we decide that we need to avoid it completely and we rush by it. So that when we finally experience those valleys of darkness, which as we've discovered, we will, our faith is often shaken sometimes permanently. Now, I suspect that most of us have experienced a catastrophe, some unimaginable hardship, depression. So we know that this walking through, it's not something easy to swallow. We've all had those moments where maybe we just look up and cry out to God, why? Why are you expecting this of us? How will we find our way? Indeed, who, who is equipped and able to lead us to green pastures and still waters through, through valleys of impenetrable gloom where the pain in front of us seems shrouded in pain, misery, and darkness? Only one who has experienced pain, suffering, and despair. And this is precisely the central assertion in the text that we read this morning. I will fear no evil because my shepherd is with me. The good shepherd never promised us exclusion from hardship, despair, or pain. On the contrary, Jesus is very clear. In this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus doesn't leave us in that place. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus is the good shepherd. A suffering God who suffers with his flock, who cries with his flock, who feels pain alongside his flock. Jesus stands as the one who came into our mess who experienced pain, suffering, and despair, and even now, asks us to come and follow him, especially in valleys of impenetrable darkness and gloom.
There will be clouds. There will be overcasts. There will be moments that we find ourselves in the shadow. But just as the sun never actually stops shining, so does God's loving presence never leave us. For me, it took me a long time to come through that first valley of impenetrable gloom. I knew I had to move. I knew I had to stop avoiding the pain. And one afternoon, on a beautiful day by the lake, much like the one I described earlier, I was sitting at a picnic table holding my journal. I was trying to figure out how I could express what I was feeling, my thoughts. And a myriad of questions and thoughts began running through my mind. Why did I run to the truck all by myself? Why did I feel the impulse to cry behind tinted windows? Why did I refuse to meet the tear-stained eyes of family members when they cried in front of me at the funeral? Why did I not, why did I not acknowledge that there were people all around me who were experiencing the same devastating loss? I was deeply shaken. The coldness of that valley of the shadow broke me. But one thought in particular kept running through my mind. Of all the specific things I could think about, why did I continually think about tinted windows? And it was at that moment that I discovered that I had allowed myself to sit in that particular valley of gloom, of impenetrable darkness, in such a way that I had developed a deep sense of shame. I felt wrong. I felt worthless. I felt small for being affected so deeply, for allowing myself to be affected so deeply by this loss. You see, in my mind, how could I be there for others when I couldn't even bring myself out of the shadow? And as I sat with this, images of my shepherd began to come to mind. I remembered Jesus' annoyance with his disciples, frustration even. I remember Jesus weeping for his friend Lazarus when he died. I remember the fateful night in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus drops to his knees and prays so hard that he cries blood, saying, Father, let this cup pass from me if it is your will. And then I thought about, I thought about the despair that Jesus must have felt as he watched the nails drive through his hands. I thought about the pain he must have felt as he endured flogging. And then it hit me. It is only the one who has experienced 
the full weight of their finality, the full weight of despair, the full weight of that impenetrable valley of darkness and gloom. It is only that one who is truly equipped to be in the valley with others. The call of Christ never had any prerequisites that said that we had to be fully healed, that we had to have it all together in order to be there for others. The call of Christ is to do as he did. To struggle, to cry, to grieve with those around you. Not only when you feel capable, but especially when you do not. You see, just because Christ took on suffering for us doesn't mean that Christ doesn't invite us into that suffering. And it was this realization that was the central part of my journey through the dark. You see, even upon realizing these things, though, I didn't feel restored or even comfortable overnight. But slowly, slowly I began to tell stories of my grandfather. Slowly, I began to open up to others about my struggles, my fears, my grief, my feelings of inadequacy. And wouldn't you know, there were tears, but there was laughter. There was deep conversation, deep, meaningful discussion. There began to be clarity once where there was fuzziness. And gradually, I also began to believe something else. This wouldn't be the last valley that I would have to walk through. But I'm never alone. Friends, we are experiencing a valley of impenetrable darkness and gloom. Seemingly, it has raised up around us overnight, has filled us with, with fear, anxiety. And I just want to raise the question, how can we be, as a body of faith, as individuals, as a community, a light in that darkness? How can we be more like Christ? Who came to be with us? Who dwelled with us? Who cried with us? Experienced pain alongside us? How can you be that presence for others around you? How can you walk in the valley with them? And as you think about these questions and as you, you go out into the world, know that, that God is behind you, that God goes before you, and that God is with you. Amen. Let us pray.
Oh, holy God, we do occupy those spaces, those spaces of joy, but also those spaces of hard things, each of us. Lord, I pray that you convict our hearts with your light. Help us discern ways that we can bring the peace of your presence to a place that is filled with uncertainty, that is filled with anxiety, that is filled with pain and despair. Lord, we ask for your healing. We ask for your presence. We ask for your light. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, comfort comes like water when I recall his words. He said, now anytime you speak to me, you know you will be heard. Among the congregation, voices raising a praising tune. Or whispering in the darkness, all alone in your room, you can be brave. Yes, you can. You've got all that you need in your two praying hands. Oh, Daniel writes of three friends sent in that fiery hole. And if you look inside, you won't believe your eyes or what you would behold. Well, there with them was another that no one could yet name. With him they walked upright in the blazing light. They were untouched by the flame. So I can be brave, brave, oh brave. Yes, I can. I've got the help of a mighty Savior in my two praying hands. So I can be brave, brave. Yes, I can. I've got all that I need in my two praying hands. Where two or three of us gather to call upon our God, well, in might He comes to meet us to strengthen lowly hearts. Oh, Lord, I've kept a record so my fading faith may see. The creator of the universe has loving eyes for me. So I can be brave, brave, brave. Yes, I can. I've got the help of a mighty Savior. My two praying hands so I can be brave. Yes, I can. I've got all that I need. My two praying hands. I've got all that I need.